Genesis 50, verse 20, one verse of scripture. Genesis, this is Joseph speaking to his brothers. This is what he said in this one verse. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God. Would everybody just say that with me? But God. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is to this day to save many people alive. Last Sunday, I told you last Sunday that there was one word, there was one simple word that I wanted us to focus on, and that word is forward, moving forward, looking forward, thinking forward, talking forward, looking forward. And and in that message last week, we talked about the importance of not dwelling in the past, not living in the past, not, not looking back, but moving forward. The Bible tells us forgetting those things which are behind. I press forward. I strain forward to those things which are ahead. But today I want to talk a little bit about setbacks. I don't know if there's anybody in this room who's ever had to experience a setback in your life. Everybody who is, dis- who is determined to move forward in life is going to experience setbacks. And these setbacks, they're going to test life. Your resolve and they're going to test our resilience all along the way through life. A setback simply defined as this. It's a loss of progress. Or simply, you could say it this way, it is the defeat of a plan. Like, like I, I, had, I had this best plan in mind. I had it all mapped out, and it didn't work out the way that I hoped that it would. That would be a setback, the defeat of a plan. Another definition is this, a, a reversal of good fortune. Things are going really well, and, and then all of a sudden there's this unexpected event. There's this, there's this unexpected crisis that happens, and now we're experiencing what's called a setback. Over the next few minutes, you're probably going to get tired of hearing that, those words, setback, because I'm going to say it over and over and over again. Sometimes, sometimes we're guilty of looking at successful people, and, and we assume that they've not had to deal with any setbacks because they got all the success, they got all the wealth, they got all the favor. We just assume that they were born, and, and when they were born, life just gave them this uh, no setback pass so to speak. And so they're the ones that's always getting to the front of the line and and they're the ones who's always getting all the breaks and they never have any real setbacks in their life because look how successful they they are. Look how good things are in human nature. They're not having any problems or challenges and we tend to, it's our human nature, we tend to underestimate the setbacks that others are having in their life and we always overestimate or we over talk about and estimate the setbacks that we're having in our own lives. So the question today is not, will we have setbacks? We're all going to have them. We're all going to have them. The question really today is, is will we move forward after our setbacks? Which direction are we going to allow our setbacks to take us? Is, are we going to allow them to move us forward or are we going to find ourselves in the trap that we talked about last week where when I find myself in a setback I begin to digress and I begin to go backward. One thing that I would love for every one of us to grab a hold of today and and just grasp it in our lives and hold on to it is this and remember this the big difference between people who move forward and those who don't is how they respond to a setback in their life. The big difference between people who move forward and those who do not move forward is simply how they respond to the setbacks that they face. 
People will say things like this. Oh, well, you were born in this family, or, 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 or you were born in, in that family, and I grew up in this part of town, and they grew up in, in that part of town. You, you got on their likes, this break, and I didn't get those breaks. People tend to empower the things in their lives, the, the uh, certain events and circumstances. And when we empower these things in our lives, it will literally add to the cause and the, and the rationale of not moving forward in our lives. Every human being who is breathing and alive today has had their share of setbacks. If you've lived any life at all, you've had setbacks. Many times you'd be amazed at some of, how some of the most successful and the people that we look at and we see them as so successful, the blessed people we might call them, you'd be amazed if you heard the story of their setbacks. And, and, and how, how, the real, how the real setbacks in their lives were. You're seeing the finished product. You're seeing the, you're seeing the success. You're seeing the, the, the product of, of going through all those setbacks. But in many people's lives, the way they found the success was how they responded to the setbacks in their lives. Those who found their way through the setbacks by the way they responded to the setbacks. When it comes to setbacks and the people who succeed, those who overcome, those who advance or move forward compared to those who don't, is simply how they responded to the setbacks in their lives. I, I had a, a long visit this past week with a gentleman from another parish, and um, I'd never met this gentleman before, but after I met him, not after just spending a little bit of time with him, I, I realized real quick, this is a guy who's been very successful in his life. He's about 70 years old, and, and he'd been successful in many ways in his life. And as we went around his local town, the way I saw people responding to him and treating him, I found out real quick, this guy is a very successful guy. He's a pretty important guy. When we walked into the local bank, of that particular town and everybody walked out of their offices to greet this man and then he went back and we just took over the boardroom for about three hours it didn't take me long to realize this guy has made some good choices in his life he's been pretty successful but it was in that two to three hour meeting in that bank boardroom that I learned about the setbacks I learned how that how that he was working in a shipyard pulling wire for just pennies an hour meanwhile he and his family were living his wife and child were literally living in a tent behind a grocery store and they would literally go and, and bathe in a, in, in, in a faucet outside of a convenience store next door and in the evening time when the, when the grocers would come and drop all the empty glass bottles in the, in the dumpster they would take the glass bottles and at night they would take masking tape and make designs around the bottles and spray paint them and the next day while he was working for nothing hardly the success out in front of the grocery store selling the glass bottles so that they could buy milk for their children child here's a very successful person but you don't know that many of us don't know the story of the setbacks setbacks those who are those who advance those who those who move forward those who those who succeed it all has to do with how they responded to the setbacks many people find themselves in a setback and they begin to become and play the victim they begin to get a, a mindset of entitlement uh, and they play the victim and we know what we all say if you play the victim you stay the victim one question that I think we should all address today is this is how to move forward ask ourselves the question how are we going to move forward after a setback in our lives and I believe the first step 
The first step, I believe, to moving forward after a setback is simply this. To refuse to focus on ourselves, our problems, and our feelings. To refuse to put all of our focus on us. And whatever the problem or the dilemma is in my life today and my feelings. If I want to move forward after a setback, I must refuse the urge and the tendency and that temptation to simply want to focus on myself. To want to magnify and focus on my problem and my feelings. When too much, it's a setback. The human nature is to begin to focus immediately way too much on our problem. It's this big elephant in the room and it's what we want to all put our focus on. And we put all of our focus and put all of our emphasis on our feelings. We put so much emphasis on the current problem or dilemma and we begin to invest way too much feeling and emotion into that problem. And then we magnify it and we make it so huge. And then we want everybody else to understand just how huge this thing, this thing is in our lives. And we'll even get offended. We'll even get offended when someone doesn't magnify it as much as we do. In fact, there's probably no doubt there's probably people sitting in this room right now and you're hearing this message and you're listening to it, but even in your own mind, somewhere deep down in your heart, you're saying, yeah, Kevin, I get it, I hear you, I know what you're saying, but you don't understand what my problem is. Yeah, I, I get it, I, I understand, but, but, but you don't know what I'm going through in my life right now. It all sounds real good and, and nice on a Sunday morning, but Kevin, you don't know what I'm going to be facing this afternoon. What's happening when we think like this is that we have this excessive focus on ourselves and we have this self-consciousness and this self-consciousness this self that will only allow our struggle to become harder and harder. And our hardships, they become greater because our feelings are going to do lead us to more discouragement. Because inevitably, what we're going to do with that problem is we're going to nurse it. When all of our focus becomes on that problem or that issue, we're going to just nurse it and we're going to pacify it and we're going to talk about it and then we're going to rehearse it. We're going to nurse it and then we're going to rehearse it and then eventually we're going to begin to curse it. So we're nursing it and we're rehearsing it and we're cursing it and now it has completely consumed our lives. Everything then will be about me. It's all about me. Everything will be about my circumstance and what I'm going through. It's been found through clinical studies, it's been proven by research that there is a connection between, between people who suffer with depression and people who are self-focused. There's a connection there. There's a connection between the two. And I believe the reason is, is that when we start to hyper-focus on our problem, we get not only discouraged and filled with despair, but we can sink into this dark place in our own lives, all beginning with focus on me on my problem, focus on myself. Every conversation we have, we're consumed with it. Every conversation I engage in, I'm bringing it back to me. Every time someone says something to try to encourage me, I bring it back to the current problem, and I think, well, they're just not getting it. They don't understand the severity of this. I have to so if I want to know how to deal with a setback, the first thing I have to do is I have to make up in my mind that I'm not going to respond to setbacks like normal people do. Like normal people do. People will say things like this, well, it's, it's normal to feel this way. It's normal to think this way. But my challenge for every one of us today is don't aspire to be normal. Why would we want to be 
normal. What is normal doing for anybody? We're not called to be normal. And, and, and if we are in, when we find ourselves in a setback, we're not called to act like everybody else. That's not who we are. We're not called to respond to it the way most people respond to these crises and these, these setbacks. We're not called to be normal. We are called to be exceptional. We are called to be, and we are, sons and daughters of God. So a normal response might be to focus on the problem or my feelings or to get bitter or to begin to make excuses or to play the victim or to worry way too much about it or to become afraid over and over and over throughout God's word. We're told, do not fear, fear not, be not afraid. Now, I've never fact-checked this before. I've just heard several people say it, but don't, so don't hold me to it. But I've heard it said many times that if you research the Bible, 65, this reference of fear not or do not fear or be not afraid, you find it 365 times throughout the Bible. And I think that's somewhat pretty amazing that now we're, we have a reminder every single day of the year of this very important uh, characteristic that we need to have in our life and, and trait that we need to have in our life, and that is simply this, live without fear. Do not fear. There's a, dif there's a big difference between people who move forward and those who don't, and the big difference is how they respond to the setbacks. Most people who are hyper self-focused, they don't even realize that they are. They don't even realize they are. Now, I'm a pastor, okay, so I'm, I, I, every day I'm counseling with people or talking with people, and it's my job to listen to what's going on in their life. So, so don't be self-conscious if you're coming to me and talking to me about a problem in your life. I'm not sitting here thinking all they're thinking about is themselves. I'm not thinking that because that's what I'm here for. That's what my job is as a pastor, to hear the problem. So don't think that. But how many of you just in everyday life, just hanging out with friends or going, pushing your little buggy, minding your own business at Walmart, and you bump into that person? in the produce section and one hour later you're still at the bananas and you're going bananas because all you have heard for the last hour is how bad life is and all the struggles and all the problems and you just throw back one little thing about something completely different and all of a sudden they're bringing it all the way back to them again and they're putting themselves right back in that situation Again, my encouragement to all of us today would be, do whatever you have to do. Let's do whatever we have to do to remind ourselves daily of this thing. Write it. If ladies, take lipstick and write it on your mirror if you have to. Put a post-it on your, on your rearview mirror, guys, if you have to. Whatever we have to do to simply remind ourselves every day, put it in big, bold letters. It's not about me. It's not about me. Take me out of my vocabulary today, Lord. Don't turn any conversation back to me. Let that be my focus. Let that be my heart. It's not about me. Anything we can do to remind ourselves of this, I, I'm convinced we will become healthier in every single way. Our minds, our, our emotions, we'll become so much healthier. We'll be more positive. We'll, we'll be more optimistic, life-giving people if we just keep the focus off of our problems and ourselves. I realize we have to deal with stuff. I realize we have to address issues in our lives at times. But when we dwell there and we live there and we, we just become so self-absorbed and self-focused. I know I'm not talking to anybody in this room today. Except me. <laughs> that back is the second step. Number two, I believe 
to moving forward after a setback is this. Be confident that God is working in the setback for our good. Be confident in the fact that God is working in the middle of, in the middle of the setback for our good. We all know Romans 8.28 very well, and we know. In other words, we are very confident of this fact. We know that all things, say it with me, all things work together for good. Another version says it this way, in all things God works for our good. In all things, in the middle of it, not in spite of it, not, 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 not because of it, but in the middle of it, God is working for our good. I want us to grab a hold of this awareness and this knowledge and realize what the writer is saying. He's saying we know that in all of our problems, in the middle of all of our problems, in the middle of all of our setbacks, in the middle of those moments and seasons when we have more questions than we have answers, in the middle of the dilemma in our marriage, in the middle of all the chaos that we're dealing with, in the middle of all that, no matter how hard it is, no matter how dark it seems, no matter how difficult it may be, God is already right there in the middle of it working for our good, our good. To bring something out of it, heaven, bring something out of the situation that is good. I just would imagine that sometimes heaven, heaven just probably gets a little frustrated with us sometimes. Because while God is working for our good, he's working for our good. He's got to be looking at us sometimes and saying, can you just help me out a little bit? Can you just work with me a little bit here? I'm working for your good. All you're doing is sit around and moaning and groaning and complaining and bellyaching. You're living in this place of self-pity. And I would just appreciate a little bit of cooperation from you. I would appreciate it if you would just acknowledge the fact that I'm in the middle of this. And I'm working for your good. Can you just help me a little bit? I just wonder sometimes if that's not the mindset of heaven. When God looks at us and says, look, I, I'm, I'm in all of this. Work with me here. We all know the story of Joseph and his life and everything he experienced and went through. I'm wiping all the spit off of this, off of this pulpit. Good thing nobody sits on the front row. They'd be soaking wet right now. Joseph's life, Joseph's life, we all know it was full of setbacks. He was one of the younger of all of his brothers, and his brothers, they were jealous of him. And, and they arranged to have him sold to the slave traders. And these slave traders would ultimately take him to Egypt, far away from his family. I don't know if you can just imagine with me today this young person, this young man, a young, young child, really, full of hope, full of dreams, Loving his place at home. He had the favor of his natural father over his life. And your brothers, your own family, your own flesh and blood, they, they betray you. And they sold him into slavery. Ultimately, he would end up spending several years in prison. But repeatedly, repeatedly, he had the favor of God on his life. And we would see it. Repeatedly, we would see the favor that he had with people. It seemed like God would just place the right people at the right time in his path. And no doubt, without, without any doubt, I know that Joseph had lonely days. 
No doubt he had discouraging days. No doubt there were nights when, when Joseph cried himself to sleep with the sorrow and the pain of not being able to be close to his family and his father who he loved so very much. No doubt he experienced these things. But this favor was upon him to such an extent that others would see his potential and others would even open doors for him. And eventually even the, even the favor of Pharaoh himself landed on Joseph. And Pharaoh made him ultimately the prime minister overseeing all of Egypt. And it was while he was prime minister that someone would convince Joseph's brothers, his family, where they were in their place of famine to go to, go to Egypt because there's food there. They, they, had, they, had, they, had, they had not heard from Joseph. They didn't know where he was. They didn't know what had happened to him. For all they knew, he was dead now. But they ended up in this moment now. And now Joseph is the prime minister and they're there to plead their case for food because there was a famine in their land and, and there was a great stockpile and the huge storehouses of grain and food in Egypt and, and, and that, was, that was mainly due and in fact solely due to, the, to what Joseph did and, and as they stood there before Joseph not knowing who he was, not realizing that this was their brother, he looked back at his own life and standing right there in front of them, he had this moment. Now he, he, he might have put them through the ringer just a little bit and he asked them questions like, now, are, are, are you all the brothers? Is this all of you? Are you sure? Is that your final answer? Is your father alive? How's your father doing? But he finally got around to the point, and he told him, he says, I'm your brother. I'm Joseph. And then much later in the story, after their father Jacob comes and he dies, uh, the brothers, they feared and so Joseph might now at this time, now that Jacob is gone, that he might want to take revenge on them. And so here's what he said when they came to him. And I love it. We began the message with it. It's the quote of all quotes. I, I, I love this, this phrase. I love this response that, Je that Joseph had to his brothers. He said this in Genesis 50, verse 20. We've already read it once. But as for you, you meant evil against me. I, I love that Joseph addressed it this way. I love the way he talked about it. I love the way he addressed the situation because he's going to he's already forgiven his brothers. He's already let that go. He, he realizes and sees God in the middle of all of it now and knows it is good, but he didn't let him off the hook. See, we talk so much around here about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness. And we talk so much about the fact that forgiving is not letting the, the offender off the hook. It's not saying, oh, well, everything was okay, it was all justified. See, so many times we think that's the, we think that's the case. If we forgive, then somehow we're letting them off scot-free. That's what we think we're doing. But we're not. Forgiveness is not for the offender. Forgiveness is for us. Forgiveness frees us. Forgiveness allows us for the first time to be able to actually see God in the middle of all of it. And that's exactly what had happened in Joseph's life. But I love that he said, you know what? But that doesn't let you off the hook, guys. And you've been, I know that your motives were wrong. Some of us in this room, you've been hurt. You've been abandoned. You've been betrayed. You've been abused in some way. And the abuser, the person that inflicted that pain or that, that in your life, that, it was still wrong. There's nothing made it right. Forgiveness doesn't make the deed or the act or the motives right. But it frees us. And he was saying, you did what you did. And it was wrong. 
You had evil in your heart. Your motives were wrong. Your heart was rotten when you did what you did. However, I have forgiven you. I've let it go. And since I've been able to forgive you and let it go, now I can actually see God in the middle of all of it. And because you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. God was in the middle of all of it, working it together for good in my life. God intended it for good. God intended it for good. Somebody, somebody, put that, this, somebody put that same little thing on some, another pastor's um, Facebook page this week. And one of the common phrases that kept coming back under there was, I'm, preacher, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Y'all, that's good preaching right there now. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. There is no setback in our lives through which God isn't working for our good. In guard through the situation, not in spite of, nothing caught God off guard, nothing just dawned on God. Uh, God's not reactive, he's not responding to anything, he is already working when we're in the middle of the battle. He already saw it coming, and he already saw his place in the middle of the great dilemma, and he saw what could come out of it, in the middle of it, in all things God is working for our good. Joseph knew this about his life. And I pray that we will all grab a hold of this today. I pray that we never lose sight of this. That no matter what we're going through. In all things God works for our good. The third step I believe in moving forward. After a setback is this. Be willing to go backward. To move forward. Be willing to go backward. To move forward. Look at this through Joseph's life first. Just a few chapters earlier from what we read, Genesis 39, 23, it says, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. This was before the day that he was prime minister over Egypt. So can I just pair the scripture and say it this way, God was with Joseph and he prospered Joseph while he was in prison. See, so many times we want to look at the prison break as the big answer. We saw it with Paul and Silas when they were in prison and they prayed and worshipped at midnight and God opened the doors of the prison and they were able to go free. We think the opening of the doors of the prison was the great miracle, but guess what? Paul and Silas didn't leave. They stayed there. We think when God finally elevated, when, 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 when the, the cupbearer was standing over in the corner in Pharaoh's, in Pharaoh's chambers and, and overheard and, and gave favor and, and talked about Joseph and got Joseph out, we think that's the miracle. The miracle was the fact that God was at work. God was prospering Joseph. God was blessing Joseph. God was having favor on Joseph even while he was in prison, even while he was there. That's the miracle God was with him. He prospered even when it didn't look like he was prospering. Can I just encourage every one of us with that this morning in this room? You're prospering even when, you don't, even when it doesn't look like you're prospering because God is with you. He is with us. Sometimes the only way forward is back. Joseph, he went down before he went up. He went back before he went full classroom. For some of us, 
We may not like it, but we may need to go back to the classroom in order to go where God wants to take us. We might have to accept less now so that we can have more later. We might have a seed in our hand that we're supposed to let go of today. We might need to decrease today so that we can have a harvest in our life tomorrow. The boat that we may be on right now, it, it, it may not get us where we need to go. For some, in, in the home they grew up in, they were downloaded with wrong information. They, they had bad examples. Their, their mind got confused and messed up with a way of thinking that just leads to more problems and more issues in their life. And maybe it's time to get a new boat. I love in the movie Jaws, he says, you're going to need a bigger boat. Maybe it's time for a new boat. It's time to unlearn some things that we've learned and heal from the hurts in our past. Genuinely and really heal. I don't want this to be confused with last week's message. We, we have to go back. We don't have to go back and live in the past. We don't have to dwell in the past. We don't need to be condemned or, and, and let the past hold. But sometimes we need to go backwards so that we can unlearn a bunch of stuff that we've gathered so that we can really be propelled forward where God wants to take us. Faith is not a denial of problems. Faith is having the confidence to face our problems. It seems like, see, that's not what, we, we mistake that. We think, if I pray hard enough, I won't have any problems. No, faith is not, that's not what faith is. Faith is being able to look your problems and your fears right in the eye and speak to them, speak life into the issues of our lives. God can't fix the problem until we face the problem. Am I hitting a little hard today? Is it okay? Please, all right, thank you. Thank you very much. God has places for us to go. But sometimes the only way forward is to first go backward. I, I, I deal with and have for years. We've faced issues in our own marriage, Kayla and I have. and We've dealt with families who, and marriages who've struggled throughout their, throughout their marriages. And it seems like one of the things that happens along the way is things become complacent. And, and, and all of a sudden, two people are just kind of cohabitating and, and they're just kind of getting through life and then and then it's a dangerous breeding ground there for the enemy because because it's in those moments that if it's on a job or if it's in some other social setting all of a sudden somebody is showing them some attention or or giving them what they feel like they're not getting at home and then all of a sudden their feelings get all wrapped up and, and it, all of a sudden it feels right. I'm supposed to be with this person. I, I don't feel this anymore in my home anymore. I don't feel this in my marriage anymore. I any time this I'm so in love over here and, and, and what they do so many times it's it's a it's such a tragedy but so many times they'll they'll get sucked into that world and that life and those feelings and they're just following after feelings and and they end up in this other relationship that is set for disaster it's only set for disaster because the foundation is completely wrong and they take the easy route out if I feel this way it must be God because God gives me my feelings right we never trust our feelings and so they take the easy route out instead of going backward 
You see, they feel like forward would be, oh, I, we're going to have this happy, beautiful life. It's, it's, so, it's so full of passion and excitement and fireworks are going off. That's what God must intend for my life. So they take the easy route out and they go after that instead of saying, wait a minute, that's, this wasn't God's plan for my life. God, whenever I made that vow with that person, it was first not just to that person, but it was to God. It was a covenant that I made with God first. Feeling or no feeling, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is, a, love is determining and planting my feet and saying, I'm here come hell or high water. I'm here when you can't give me anything in return. I'll still give everything. That's what covenant is. That's what commitment is. And so we do the hard, we make the hard choice and we go backward and we say, you know what? I'm, I'm abandoning my, 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 my temporary feelings and all things that would be easy to do and I'm going back and I'm going to do the hard work. We're going to begin to rebuild our relationship. We're going to begin to develop. We're going to go actually to a counselor. We're going to sit. We're going we're gonna to actually just... Uh, humble ourselves with one another and then we're going to be able to see God do amazing and miraculous and beautiful things in what was right to begin with. See C.C. Kimball over here several times we've had Financial Peace University here at the church. Dave Ramsey. It's an incredible program. And it's one of the few times we'll help people, we'll pay people's electricity bills, we'll go buy groceries for folks to fill up their pantries, we'll do everything we can to help people financially and otherwise, but this is the one area, it's $100, $120 to get the materials for, 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 uh, for, for uh, Financial Peace University, we will not help somebody do that. Go sell a piece of furniture, put it on Facebook, humble yourself, do what you have to, to so you can pay out of your pocket. And by the way, Dave Ramsey ain't going to take a credit card. You're either going to write a check that's a good check, or you're either going to give a debit card. It's going to come out of your pocket. It's not going to be, because the whole deal here is to get you out of debt. And I love the saying, I love the phrase that he uses over and over. You live like nobody else, so you can live like nobody else. In other words, when everybody else is taking two or three vacations a year, you're going to stay home. And you're not going to spend those thousands of dollars. When everybody else is going out to eat at filet every night, you're going to get some lunch meat and some sandwich. You're going to go, you're going to eat, you're going to stay at home and eat every night. Whenever you've got an extra four or five hours a day to spare, you're going to go get a second job and you're going to wait tables or you're going to do something else. And, and what you're going to do for the next two or three years is you're going to live like nobody else is living. Everybody else is loving their life. You're not going to put a single thing in a credit card. In fact, you're going to be paying off all your credit cards. And in two or three years, you're going to be completely debt free and you're going to begin to stockpile money for the future and guess what then you're going to be able to live like nobody else because right now you're living like nobody else so the way forward is to go backward it's good preaching it's good preaching many times in our lives forward will begin with backward I may be talking to some of us today who have to make a move it's time to make a move it may feel like a backward move, but it is our way forward. Can I just encourage all of us today to shake off the pride in our life? Shake off all hesitation. Don't, uh, don't, don't worry about what people think, how it's going to look, what it's going to sound like, what it's going to feel like. It is our way forward. I have to go backward a little bit so that I can go forward. That step that puts us in the place where we can grow and we can learn and we can be honest and accountable and we can have integrity and it's our way forward. Because forward is oftentimes backward. Last and final point today is this, and I'm closing with it. I hope I get y'all home in time for the Saints game. Kicks off at noon. 
I'm not going to get home for the Saints game, so I'm not trying to finish for me, okay? Final, final step, step number four, moving forward after a setback. We must have faith in the middle of our setbacks that we're not being held back. We need to remind ourselves, even when we're in the middle of a setback, that it's not a holdback. We're not being held back. Sometimes a setback can feel like we're being held back, but that's not the case. Now, there may be times in our life when we are pulled back like a rock in a slingshot, but you better get ready. You better get ready, because if you're in that season of being pulled back, you're about to be catapulted forward at a high rate of speed. I started to bring a rubber band with me today, but I'm afraid I might put somebody's eye out. So I'll just talk about it instead of demonstrating it. But if I came up here with a rubber band today and I wadded it up in my hand and I threw it as hard as I could, I might make it to Misty. Maybe. Maybe. If I'm lucky. But when I take that rubber band on it and I begin to pull back on that thing and I put the pressure on it, and at moment, there's moment, there, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's this key place, this, this threshold, there's this one moment where if I go one step further, I'm probably going to break. Can I just go ahead and tell you, he's never going to break you. You're never going to be destroyed when you're in the hands of the potter. But there's that moment, the further I'm stretched, the further I'm pulled back, determines the trajectory, determines the distance. That it's actually going to go. So you may, be, you, may be, you may be in the middle of a setback right now. But I want you to know it's not you being held back. You may be being pulled back. But get ready. Get ready. Have faith in the middle of the setback. Know that the first, you, you may feel like you've taken three steps backward. But those three steps backward is only to catapult you ten steps forward. If you didn't have the three steps backward, you wouldn't be able to go ten steps forward. You might make it as far as Misty and Verna. We're in the middle of a setback right now. We can't lose our confidence. This is not the time to let go of our faith. We must have faith in the middle of the setback. We have to be confident that the setback will not hold us back. We will not allow the setback to hold us back. We will have rapid progress. There's a we will experience exponential growth and increase. For some, there's a resilience that comes when you've gone through some setbacks. I look across this room and I see people, I see families, I see individuals, and I know some of the setbacks you've had to go through. I know some of the stuff you've had to face. And it's so amazing as I, you inspire me. I talked about this last week. There's so many of you in this room, you inspire me because you, you held your ground. And today there's a resilience inside of you. Today it's almost like bring it on, enemy. What you want to do, I've already been there. I've already gone through that place. Bring it on. There's a resilience that comes when you've gone through a setback. And you understand the power that you have to overcome every kind of strategy that the enemy forms against you. You've, you've memorized that scripture. You, 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 there, there, there's so much, it's just inside of you. It just flows out of you every time the enemy tries to bring something against your life or attack your family in some way. You, you, it just rolls off your tongue now. No weapon formed against me will ever be able to prosper. When 
we live with that kind of resilience. We don't have to get paranoid. We don't have to have fear that we're never going to come out of this thing. Instead, we'll begin to have faith, knowing that the setback will not hold us back. The setback will not destroy us. When we put our entire heart, we put all of our mind, we put all of our being into trusting God, into worshiping God, no matter what else is happening around us, there's a reward that goes along with that decision that you're making in that moment and the courage that you're showing in that moment and the willingness that you have to press on and to keep on going and to stand strong. And even on the tough days, you have that assurance in your heart and you know in your heart that God is with you, that God is for you. He's not just with you, he is for you. He's looking forward and he wants us to look forward. He's on your side. He's fighting for us in the middle of a setback. And all things, in all things, God is working together for our good. For our good. For our good. Not just to survive, but for our good. Not just to get us through it, but to make us thrive on the other end of it. Not just so that we can, now we are wounds when we come out on the other side, but now we are life givers. Now we are, now we are depositing life instead of sucking life everywhere that we go. That's what he's doing. He's working for our good. Would you stand with me across this room today? You've heard me use this analogy 10 million times before. Forgive me if it bores you, but I love it because I love to eat. I love cake. I love stuff that's baked. I love things that start out liquid and it turns into something that begins to rise and it's just sink your teeth into it and it melts in your mouth. I love that kind of stuff. It's really what life's all about, isn't it? I went into uh, BW's this week to eat. I ordered a hamburger and some french fries. I saw they had homemade banana pudding on the menu. And I said, I want banana pudding and I want it first. Eat dessert first. Life's uncertain. <laughs> we may not make it to the burger, but I'm going to get the banana pudding. Nanner pudding. Now these days we go to Betty Crocker and we get her box and we need to crack a couple of eggs and mix it up, throw it in the oven. But I, that's not what I'm talking about. Any mamas in the room, any mamas in the room that really knows how to bake a cake, thank you, Verna. Thank you. Y'all know how to bake a cake. You don't go to Super One in that section with the little box, little red boxes are. You go into the flowers, the flower cabinet, canister, and you're dipping out the flour. You're going over here and you're getting the sugar. You're getting the eggs and the vanilla. All from scratch and you're mixing all that stuff together. And see, here's the thing. I would never go and take a spoonful of flour. Mm. I'm certainly not going to take a, a cup full of sugar and down it, that's for sure. Unless I'm Rocky Balboa and I'm ready to go run three miles, I'm not going to. I'm not going to crack three eggs in a glass and gulp it down. I'm not going to do that. 
but there's something about when you mix all that stuff together. It all begins to just get intertwined with one another and it just all mixes together and then you pour it in that, in that cake pan and then it goes into that 450 degree oven and heat. And then in that oven, all those stuff, all that stuff that begins to work together. And then that heat begins to pull all the impurities out of it. And it begins to do a work on the inside of that thing. And all of a sudden the room, even feel the atmosphere of the house begins to change. Because all of a sudden there's this aroma that begins to fill the house. And you walk in and you said to somebody light a candle. Because <laughs> that's what they do now, you young, you young wives, y'all cheat, y'all just light candles. People like Verna, they, they bake the cake. They, it was a real deal when you walked in. And you, the, aroma, the, the aroma fills the room and the atmosphere begins to change. And then when it finally comes out, they put that homemade icing on top of it. They cut into it. Smoke still, steam still coming from it. You put that fork through it and put it in your mouth. And it's heaven on earth. And it just melts. You don't even chew just let it dissolve. How in the world could something so heavenly, so amazing, so life-giving come from a cup of flour? You may be living in the cup of flour right now, but I want to tell you something. God is in the flour. He's in the eggs. He's in the vanilla. He's in the heat of the oven. He's in the middle of all of that. And I want to tell you something. Something beautiful is coming from it. Something beautiful is coming from it. Father, we thank you today, God, for your goodness, for your grace, for your plan for our lives. That you, today, God, we walk in that. We may be in the middle of a setback right now, God, but we know that you are working all things together for good in our lives. We're thankful, God, that you're in the middle of the prison cell. You're in the middle of the time of slavery. You're in the middle of the time of defeat, God. You're in the middle of all of it, working it for our good, and we know that something great, something mighty, something miraculous is coming from it, God. I'm, I'm just speaking your word and declaring your word over every life in this room, over every family, over every marriage, God, that maybe today, God, we're having to make a decision just to go back just go back to the hard stuff. Just, just unlearn some stuff and fix some things in our lives so that, God, you can catapult us forward to be all that you've called us to be. I'm asking for and believing you for healing and restoration in every home, in every marriage, in every life. God, we thank you for what you're doing even now in every heart. Our eyes are turned towards you, God. Have your way in every life, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord for just a moment before we go home today. Let's sing together and worship. I lift my hands to believe again yes. You are my refuge, you are my strength As I pour out my heart these things I remember You are faith and God forever I lift, cause I lift
hope that we have in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, have you felt like you've been with Jesus today? I hope we leave a little more full, a little more blessed, a little more encouraged than we did when we came in here. We're so glad to have you today. What a great day of worship it was. Thank you, Kevin, for that incredible word. Amen. Amen. Well, let's take it with us. Let's go out and let's live a faith-filled life this week. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.